I'm Naomi Kilberth, Christian clinical herbalist, owner of Laurel Tree Wellness, and host of the Family Herbalism Podcast. Here on the show, I bring to you loads of helpful information and practical tips to help you on your natural health journey. We cover common and unique symptom pictures, underlying tissue states and the stories that lead to them, and so many tools that promote and restore wellness, not the least of which is plants. Thank you for joining us today. May you be blessed by the conversation and leave with hope and inspiration. Are you ready? Let's begin. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Today, you guys, I get to share with you some really good news. But this news will not really make a whole lot of sense to you unless you have listened to the episode that I created back in season one, number 38, called Celiac Disease, Mold Toxicity, and Mast Cell Activation Syndrome. That episode was the one in which I shared the story about our daughter, Daphne, who has multiple uh, chronic illnesses and our journey in understanding what that meant for her and what was going on with her health picture and how we were going to help her heal and move on and create a new life. And so I shared that story and almost six, 600 people have listened to that episode so far. And I've really heard a lot of positive feedback from parents who are in similar situations and just felt blessed to hear this story uh, that resounded with them. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you have not yet, because this episode that I'm recording today and sharing with you will make a lot more sense if you have heard that story first. So assuming that you have heard that episode and you do understand the diagnoses and the condition that um, Daphne has faced for the past several years... It is my pleasure to share with you that she is now off from the Benadryl that she was taking on a daily basis, as well as the Zyrtec she was taking on a daily basis, the Cromelin sodium she was taking on a daily basis, and we have now cut down her Pepsid from about 40 milligrams down to a total of seven and a half milligrams taken over the course of two days. So this is really exciting for us because we know that these medications, some of them do have long-term potential consequences, and we were starting to see that happen with her. For example, Pepsid is a, an H2 blocker, a histamine 2 pathway blocker, which is why she was taking it, but it also, uh, the reason why most people would take um, Pepsid is to stop heartburn. And what is really happening there for people who are taking Pepsid in particular is that it is telling their body to stop producing stomach acid. And this was not the intention of having Daphne take this medication, but it was a natural consequence of her taking it for the H2 blocker purpose. And so we started seeing some negative side effects taking place because of that, and we are working really hard to take her off from that medication entirely and it is a process again this has been something going on for the past several years it's not something that we planned to stop cold turkey because that could cause a big flare of symptoms and has when we have tried cutting it down too fast in the past but I've been replacing 
these medications with a number of different herbal remedies um, over time now that she is very stable and we've been able to increase the variety of foods that she's eating she's sleeping better she's feeling less anxious it has been ages it feels like since she has had hives or stomach pain and she's had no anaphylactic reactions in the last two years at least two years now uh, right now she so again she's taking just a little bit of famotidine and she is also taking a multivitamin she is also taking a calcium and magnesium supplement and I created a tincture blend for her, which changes over time, but the current one that she's working with has astragalus, Japanese knotweed, root and flower, peach bark, tulsi, rhodiola, cat's claw, licorice, and red sage. These, each of these were specifically chosen to create a blend that will calm her mast cells down and really support her immune system in regulating its response to potential triggers. So right now she still has a sore throat going on, which I believe is due to uh, taking the famotidine or the Pepsid for so long, kind of like um, a heartburn sort of response. And so we're working on that. But otherwise, this is a this is an incredibly improved situation, a much happier girl <laughs> from where she was at a few years ago. And so to be able to bring her to this point, it has just been an incredible journey. It has been, it was really, really difficult to watch her go through everything that she went through. It was an exhausting, overwhelming, at times heartbreaking experience. And it was also very isolating, which is something that I want to spend more time talking about today because I found that that particular aspect of having a child with a chronic illness was true not just for our own family but also for a number of the clients that I work with and when I started doing a bit of research found that it was also true for parents far outside of my personal circle and it's really important um, being able to be part of a group that can support you in taking care of your children when they're not doing so well is crucial for everyone's health, not just your child's, but your own as well. And this is something that's actually been, been studied. And we're going to talk about some of those studies today that show that it's really important for everyone's physical and emotional mental well-being to have a good support system in place should you be uh, parenting a child who needs a lot of extra support. And so, yes, Daphne is doing amazing, and we anticipate a near full, if not completely full, recovery where she will be able to eat everything except for wheat, probably. Um, and so right now, I mean, she's even sneaking tomatoes and getting a little in a little bit of the, you know, the chocolate and other things that would have just been catastrophic for her um, and causing days if not weeks of setbacks um, just even maybe three years ago so definitely a different position to be coming from and now we're at a place where I feel more confident in and also humble at the same time and being able to say you know what this is a really difficult situation and I don't have all the answers and I can't 
fix every child that comes through my door. That's not something that I can promise, but I do have a different perspective having gone through this myself where I can offer compassion and empathy having gone through this myself. Definitely a life-changing experience. And so today I want to draw attention to the fact that while the first priority is always caring for the immediate needs of the child, unlike an acute situation where a family spends a few uncomfortable days helping a child get better, chronic illnesses instead require a vast amount of time and energy and resources and can be incredibly stressful for both the parents as well as the siblings of the sick child not to mention the myriad of ways that illness affects the child in question aside from the direct consequences of their illness. Finding community and common purpose with other parents of sick kids is essential, really, for overall wellness. And it's funny because, or not really funny, but in the midst of our own personal trials, we would find ourselves excited when we would meet other children who could relate to Daphne or other people who could relate and then feel guilty because it felt like we wanted them to be sick in order to find community and that's definitely not true however it's also validating to know that there are others out there who really get it and who understand because we don't have to explain ourselves to them when I share our personal experience with people who have not been in the middle of it Honestly, no matter how compassionate they are, sharing our story feels incomplete. Speaking it out into the world makes it feel like it's not as big of a deal as it feels when it is unspoken, but understood among our own family. Um, you know, it's understood around, understood among our own family members, but not necessarily by those outside. And that doesn't really help us and causes families to feel isolated and further misunderstood. So I want to back up a little bit and clarify my definitions here before I get into the bigger picture. What, ex what exactly is meant by chronic illness? Um, chronic illness can encompass a lot of different health conditions. And so just to kind of keep things as simple and straightforward as possible, I went to the CDC and their National Survey of Children's Health, which was published in February 2021, says that uh, these types of chronic illnesses include things like asthma, obesity with all of its um, condi associated conditions like hypertension, autism and ADHD, diabetes, cystic fibrosis, eczema, epilepsy, food allergies, even tooth decay, and many others. So you can see that it's including, in a general sense, both congenital issues as well as mental health issues and physical issues, some of which are easier to control than others. Some of them have more profound impacts on the family than others. But it's all a generalized definition of illness that impacts a family uh, on a daily basis. So they said that more than 40% of school-aged children and teenagers in the U.S. have at least one chronic health condition. Other reports show a more modest rate of 10 to 30%, but I think it's safe to say 
that one in three children are affected by a diagnosable health picture. And as far as what the definitions of chronic illnesses are, the CDC defines it as conditions that last one or more years and require ongoing medical attention or which limit activities of daily living or both. The AMA reported that in the past uh, nearly 30 years, we've gone from one in eight children having a chronic illness to one in two or three kids with a chronic illness. Food allergies specifically have more than doubled in the past 80 years from 3% to 7%. And that is, those are allergies that cause an immediate life-threatening response. We're not even talking about food sensitivities, which are far more common than only 3 to 7% of kids. The Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology reported in 2020 that the rate of anaphylaxis from all causes is increasing noticeably in the U.S. We have additional studies coming out. Uh, the Journal of the School of Nursing published an interesting report called Prevalence and Costs of Five Chronic Conditions in Children, and that came out in October 2017. They reported numerous facts such as that girls had a higher prevalence of all chronic conditions except for epilepsy, that it cost between $1,400 and $9,000 for the annual medical care of each of these kids, that roughly 7.5% of children in the U.S. have unmet health needs, and that 5% of children have multiple chronic conditions. I would like to pause here and point out that the differences between immediate and long-term fatality risk associated with different chronic illnesses impact families in different ways. A family who has to worry about their child dying from a severe asthma attack is going to experience this illness in a different way than a family who worries about their child being successful with mental health challenges, for example. Both are very important to validate. Both of them, both um, situations will likely cause a family to feel isolated to some degree, but their experiences are going to be different. So when I talk about the impacts on families, I just want to point out that while the statistics on, this, on these issues are lumped together, parents themselves know that the experiences to be had within these subgroups can be isolating even from each other. There are plenty of additional studies and reports on the subject of chronic childhood illness and the impact on families. And I want to bring them up because some of the statements made in these studies are very telling and important for everyone to understand. Some of them I feel like are actually quite profound. So for example, CNN released a photo project in 2016 called The Super Parents produced by the Lucille Packer Foundation for Children's Health. One of the leaders of the organization said the following, which I found to really get to the heart of the matter. He said, we want to highlight not that these sick children exist, but that these families exist. I tend not to look on the lives of children with special needs as a child issue so much as it is a family issue. If a doctor says, please give this medicine, well, it's the parents who are giving the medicine. If the doctor says, make an appointment to see a specialist, it's the parents who have to make the appointment and then take off work and make that additional appointment. 
If the child is ostracized in some way, it's the family who has to protect them from that or explain it. So it's really all about the family. You're gonna see toward the end of this where this is all coming out and the reason why I'm sharing this with you. So hang in with me if you're wondering what the point of sharing all of these statements are. You're gonna see it come together cohesively in the end. The impact on the health of parents is an issue that I feel is too often neglected and one which I must uh, address, which I want to have people face. A meta-analysis published in the Journal of Pediatrics in 2020 called Health, Health Outcomes of Parents of Children with Chronic Illness showed that compared to 19% of parents of healthy children in this study, 35% of those with sick kids were diagnosed with clinical depression. And for anxiety, the rate of parents of well children affected was 38% compared to 57% of those with sick kids. This meta-analysis also spoke about a study of mothers of children with congenital anomalies, which showed that they had a higher risk of developing cardiovascular disease and of dying from any cause during the course of the study. Why is this happening? Healthchildren.org, which is run by the American Academy of Pediatrics, says of these parents that they, quote, might feel that the demands upon them have no end, such as trips to the doctor's office or preparation of special meals. Parents may feel constantly tired and never able to find energy to do anything else. Time spent with a spouse and one's own personal interests and hobbies is often given up, end quote. We have a 2009 paper published in Health Psychology which showed that one out of every four parents of chronically ill children had post-traumatic stress disorder. A 2008 study published in the Journal of Pediatric Psychology showed that up to almost nine out of ten parents of children with chronic illness experience sleep disruption. A 2021 article in the Journal of the American Medical Association called Family functioning when a child has a serious illness was really interesting. I loved that it actually pointed out that for all the surveys and studies done on families with affected children, the practical implication of the findings is not as well understood. So they will point out, hey, look, parents of children with chronic illness are more likely to have depression, but there isn't really anything being done about it. In this particular article by the AMA, they refer to a study of 25,000 families. This study was done through a health insurance program, so they were able to get a large number of families included who were affected by chronic illness, whereas other studies uh, might have a harder time finding people who qualify. Well, in this study of 25,000 families, they found that mothers fathers, and even siblings of the children with life-threatening conditions had higher rates of their own healthcare diagnoses, and the rates went even higher if the illnesses of their children were debilitating. And it became clear that it wasn't just a family association with illness, which is fairly common. For example, a person with celiac disease is more likely to have family members who also have digestive health concerns because they share the same living conditions, the same diets, the same genetics, there's a lot of similarities and so you're more likely to have groups of people with similar conditions. But what they actually found is that 
after children were diagnosed with these things, their overall family's health started degrading. The most striking statement in this article said, quote, children with LTCs or life-threatening conditions depend on their parents to manage both their physical and their emotional needs, but parents providing this care can experience marked traumatic stress from fearing their child may die and watching him or her struggle with illness while managing accompanying logistical and financial stress. It goes on to say, traumatic and chronic stress lead to deterioration in parents' mental and physical health through biological mechanisms and the individual's reduced focus on managing their own wellness and chronic health conditions, end quote. When these parents were not able to manage their own health as well, the studies showed, they were less able to care for their children's health, leading to statistically poor outcomes for the chronically ill child. The authors of that article called for routine screening of parental mental health in order to normalize the experience of trauma to help parents understand that their experience of their children's health was commonly felt and to help them get appropriate help if necessary. Another informative, arco- informative article published in 2012 at psychiatryonline.org entitled Treating Parents of Children with Chronic Health Conditions offers extensive information on what is currently known about the impact of illness on parents with resources for practical steps that can be taken to support these parents from a doctor's perspective. Across the board, these studies and the organizations behind them recommend fostering relationships with loved ones who can be your support system, joining support groups and faith-based groups, and bringing in professional support in different ways. So again, they, I mean, they can only do so much when they publish these studies. It's not like they can go out and take action on them themselves. What was more frustrating was the articles written by organizations which can have a direct impact on on parents health and the health of the family who were recommending people to go out and you know develop your relationship with your parents and with your siblings to go you know help each other through this difficult time but that just feels so uh lacking in actual impact and support because for many families things are really complicated and it's not as simple as that so um I can tell you from personal experience that having a family support system in place is invaluable. As a mother of a chronically ill child, I avoided making a big deal about our situation to the people outside of my trusted circle, but those inside who were specifically chosen, even though most of them did not have experience with this illness that Daphne had, were incredibly helpful on a practical level as well as for compassionate moral support. I just know that this is not available to everyone, unfortunately. And so if this is true for you, if you are a parent with a child who has a chronic illness and your family system is wonderful, definitely let them into your circle and let them help you. That by itself can be really difficult for someone to do to just let people help them. I do understand that. Uh, As a very self-sufficient person, I can tell you it is difficult to ask for and accept help. 
Um, but if those people are in your circle, if they are available to you, please take advantage of that. I do remember one night in particular texting my mom to complain, which I did not do very often, but that particular night I did, Daphne was in the middle of another flare and I was exhausted. She came right over and cuddled with Daphne until the worst of it had passed, enabling me to literally remove my hands from the situation at that moment. And I knew Daphne would be in good hands. She'd be taken care of. My best friend and my mother-in-law would send me recipes anytime that they had us over for dinner or bringing a dish over for a potluck or something. They would send me the recipes or uh, pictures of the boxes that might have ingredients in them that they were going to use so that I could see every single ingredient and make sure that it would be 100% safe for her. And they never questioned the legitimacy of any of it. And that part was really key, not asking her, would it be okay if we just snuck this in? Or is it really that bad if they just said, is this okay or is it not? And that was, that was it. There was no judgment. And so these are some examples of ways that I knew we were loved. But I also know that not everyone has that opportunity for a support system. Even if you have a very good family who loves you a ton, they might not be in the same state or they might have other, you know, responsibilities that keep them from being able to be physical of, of physical support. And so everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. I just bring that up to point out that it is an important aspect for many people who are parenting children with chronic illness. And at the same time, while I did have those people in my circle, I also personally searched for validation from others who did have experience with this particular illness, both among care providers and others who were experiencing the same illness. Because to hear others with MCAS saying, oh yeah, that happens to me too, helped me to feel both understood and safe to keep working at improving Daphne's situation. And as compassionate as my family and friends were, this was very necessary in helping me to help Daphne. It was in the midst of all this that I decided to create a support group for parents of children with chronic illness. As an herbalist, I do meet with parents who have children who are chronically ill, and I do walk them through the process of choosing a nutrition plan, a life, lifestyle practices, and herbs that can be very helpful for their particular child's needs. But I also found that it is true that having a place that can be a support group for parents who all have children with chronic illnesses can be really important to overall physical, emotional, mental health. And support groups like this are very difficult to find. I spent a while searching online and found just one in the entire United States. That doesn't mean that they aren't available, but I do find that a little bit ironic considering how many organizations promote the idea of support groups being helpful, and yet there are so few. So I made my own, and I named it Spoonie Sidekicks. Spoonie Sidekicks is named after the parents who are their children's support system. Our ill children are really the superheroes in this case. The, the photo 
uh, program that I had mentioned earlier that highlighted families and parents of sick children called them the superheroes. But I actually feel that the ones who have to live in the bodies that are not well are the ones who are the superheroes because they don't get to just set it aside. They have to learn how to adapt, how to live in their own bodies and improve their health as they grow older. There are lots of nicknames given to people with chronic illnesses and Spoonie refers to the now 20-year-old Spoon Theory first developed by blogger Christine Miserandino, who has lupus. And you can look up the theory yourself, which is a really great analogy for many with chronic illness. I did also refer to that in the episode on chronic fatigue. Spoonie sidekicks are the parents who care for children with chronic illnesses. I ran this program in 2020 and I decided this year to bring it back. So we're going to start in June and the group will run for 11 weeks with two meetings the last week. It is virtual, which means that it is available for parents anywhere, whether they are local to me or very far away. And it is also open to the loved ones of these parents. This group is a cross between a support group and a class that offers resources for parents who need encouragement and guidance to create systems in their lives to support them and their children. Each parent will receive a beautiful 33-page PDF that they can review online or print off, and this includes journal prompts, activities and projects, encouragement, discussion prompts to use with family members, herbal resources, health trackers, and a lot more. And then at each of the meetings, we're going to cover a relevant topic, including things like self-care, how to have hard conversations with family, meal planning, caring for siblings, how to find help when you feel you've explored every avenue for your child, and definitely a lot more. In each of these meetings, there's also going to be an opportunity for parents to speak up and offer their personal experience so that they can either ask for guidance or they can offer it to others. In fact, the whole program is really based on creating a community of people who can support each other from a place of shared experience. It's an incredible experience and I just loved how each of the parents who attended in the first run were able to just show up and be themselves and not be afraid of how others would see them. So even if they had had a hard day and they felt like crap, they always showed up and when they did, they always felt better by the end of the day. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see. They didn't have to hide anything. They could be honest and experience not just the compassion for their story, but connection with others who really get it. I hope at this point you're starting to see how tie, I'm tying this all together, sharing how this is the situation that we find ourselves in realistically. And the more we see kids experiencing chronic illness, the more we realize we have to address this, not just as an issue to try to fix among children, but to support parents and to support whole families in meeting everyone's needs so that we can improve this whole situation on a national scale or even greater. So this program is really important to me and I really hope that you will keep this in mind, check it out on the website. We are gonna run this program from June into August. Enrollment is open now and I am capping attendance at 12 people because in keeping it smaller, 
parents might feel safer and more comfortable really interacting. I do need a minimum of three people to enroll in order to run the program. And the page is open now. So if you go to my website at laureltreewellnessllc.com and click on upcoming events, you will see all the details about Spoonie Sidekicks and you can go ahead and enroll if you already know this is what you want to do. If you want to talk more about it, if you have questions with me before committing, I welcome your emails. You can let me know how I can help you at laureltreewellness at gmail.com. If you know someone who has a child with a chronic illness, I would be so grateful if you would share this podcast with them and maybe even consider doing the course together. Chronic illness is a big deal in our world today, and it's not okay that these illnesses are affecting young people in even larger numbers every year. It's also not okay that parents who have to support kids with illnesses are left to pull this off on their own. Support does exist, and we really can be in this together. So even if you do not participate in Spoonie Sidekicks, I hope that this does offer you a different perspective where if you are one of these parents, if you are a Spoonie Sidekick, that it will help you to see that you are not alone and that there is a vast number of parents who do truly understand where you are at. And at the same time, if you are not a Spoonie sidekick, if you are blessed with healthy children or if you do not have children, but you know someone who does, then I hope that this has also given you perspective on how you might be able to offer compassion and even empathy in your own way to support this person or these people in your life who are very important to you and who need your love. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it with a friend and consider leaving a review. I appreciate all the feedback and I am very grateful that you are here. Have a wonderful week. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You have the right and responsibility to make all health-related decisions for your own life. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family and leave a review. Thank you for listening.